Hi, I'm best-selling author and psychic witch, Angela Lovell, and today we're going to talk about family curses, but mostly the curse of unworthiness. Welcome to Dear Witchy Poo. Dear Witchy Poo. Sorry, I've been doing a lot of Catherine Hepburn to the cats lately. How can I tell if I have an ancestral curse? Everyone in my family tries so hard, but everything we do from relationships to starting our own businesses falls apart. It's so bad that it's become a running joke in my family, but it's really not funny. Signed, maybe just a loser. Ancestral curses are real, and I just broke one of my own recently, but what's even more real and what we'll focus on is unworthiness. I'm also going to refer to you as definitely a winner instead of maybe just a loser because what we say about ourselves locks us into that perception. There is no such thing as jinxing yourself by hoping and aspiring to the best case scenario. Living with delusions of grandeur will serve you a thousand times more than ever calling yourself a loser. Trust me, I'm going to talk about this later. This is my new way of life. I am completely delusional and much happier. Plus, many people are so scared of failure that they don't even try. That does not seem to be your issue. Definitely a winner because you've been trying, so let's start there. Cut cords to your fucking family. Do it daily, do it lovingly, and do it right now. You are born into their shame. Whatever they hated, their bodies, immigration process, lack of education, low income, you absolutely must learn to abandon the shame you were handed and stand on your own. It is the whole point of this lifetime. Okay, so a lot of people think they have a curse on them. Oh my God, I get so many readings where people think they have a curse on them. I, I'm, it's, it, it's not uncommon, but it is, it is very rare, honestly. Um, ancestral curses are usually super fucking obvious. A curse doesn't result in things fizzling or fading. A curse, a real curse, results in violence, suicide, murder, natural disasters, like like tornadoes and hurricanes and we're straight up biblical gore. Curses drive people insane. They cause mental illness and disease. There are usually visions that go with this sort of thing as well. I will talk in my Patreon about a curse that tore the roof off my house and so much worse. Ugh. Um, and it was this was not an ancestral curse. This was placed on me by a Christian woman who uh, my dad was having sex with. So, <laughs> so great. And it's funny, you know, uh, most of these are placed by Christians that I've not to slam Christians, but I see way more curses by Christians than witches. I'm like talking, we're talking like 90%. Um, and I think a lot of healers will tell you the same thing. So great news. Not only are you probably not cursed, but changing these circumstances is entirely within your control. Even if you are cursed, honestly. But just like me, with my long-term ancestral curse that I talk about in episode 11, you too will have to clear the path so it can be traced. So let's start there. When we leave that light bright panel in the sky known as source or God, if you're into that, and we stuff our big, bright, beautiful, luscious lights into these gross little farty meat sacks, we are gifted many things. Most of these gifts appear to be bad before a person achieves enlightenment. But that's only if you forget the whole point of this lifetime, which is to learn love, lose love, get new love, 
grow, play, repeat, as my good friend and shaman Sarah Goff learned when she died before she came back to life. This is all just a big, filthy playground. And if you're not skinning your knees and covered in dirt, you're not playing hard enough. I warn people all the time, if you stay scared and sit on the sidelines watching everybody else play and fall down, you're not going to get to come back as easily next time. I come back way too quickly. Even in this life, 99% of my soulmates are five to seven years younger than me. I mean, honestly, some of them are even younger than that um, because I don't pause long enough in between lifetimes as my soul clusters do. So trust me on this. If you're not running, screaming, fighting, frolicking, fucking, and falling on your face, you will have a longer time out before your next recess. Our greatest lessons and rewards come just from trying. Just from trying. So brava definitely a winner. What you and yours consider failures are huge life lessons that help you level up. This is just one measly, stupid little lifetime. Don't take it so seriously. I had a New York roommate once catch me in the kitchen on my way to my second shift. Her drug dealer boyfriend, my other roommate, (laughs) he paid her rent and she wistfully said to me, don't you wish you were Paris Hilton and could just shop all day? I was disgusted. No, gross. I never wished that. I'm a scrappy spitfire who's seen it all, and that's what I came here to do, not fucking shop. God, I still think shopping is boring. So when I look at people like the Kardashians, I do not judge them. I don't know them. Literally, I have no idea which ones are which aside from Kim, but I do feel like they took out super basic soul contracts. You probably took out a hefty soul contract, as I did. So let's start there. People often don't like it when I point this out. Victim mentality is easy and a great way to avoid the work that needs to be done. Before I came back this time, my guides tried talking me out of how much I intended to suffer. Maybe yours did too. Now, let me take some of the faults off your shoulders and direct you instead to the most prominent family curse. Every single one of us is born into our parents' shame. They express that shame in everything from body image to money woes, and we pick it right up and add it to our own bundle, which we carry and ideally decimate until we die. Unless you had the honor of being raised by wolves, God, what a dream, you are carrying parental shame, and not just theirs. They'll give you whatever they haven't dealt with regarding their own parents' shame, and that consists of great-grandparents' shame. America, the country I have been born into for several lifetimes in a row now, was stolen. Its original inhabitants, victims of genocide with minimal survivors, and everyone is still fighting over who deserves to be here. There is a deep-seated shame in a lot of American families due to their ancestors' immigration process. Honestly, I have a whole theory about this is why all the white people want guns. Anyway, if you're American, depending on—and whatever, have a gun, sure. I'm not I'm not gun-shaming. Guns, tell me how afraid someone is. I'm actually going to touch on that. Um, there is a deep-seated shame in a lot of American families due to their ancestors' immigration process. If you are American, depending on when your family came over, you might not even be in touch with what they had to go through, but it's in you. This is one of the more invisible shames that gets passed down and something I touch on a little bit in my cultural appropriation episode. 
my family carries a lot of shame. My father was a dog breeder and one of the most racist pieces of shit I've ever encountered. He had dozens of guns, cameras, and listening devices. He believed everyone was obsessed with him. He was terrified. He, he was terrified of black people. He was terrified of every non-white person. I, terror. Constant terror. Um, the year my body started going from girl to woman, he grounded me for the whole year. I spent most of puberty sequestered to my house, told daily everyone wanted to rape and murder me. He tried to instill his own fear, racism, and hatred in me, but I rejected it. I had already gone vegetarian, my best friend was black, and the thing I hated most in this world was him and his dirty, dingy ignorance and fear. But I absolutely believe I chose this horrible, stupid little man to shape and challenge me. Same with my mother's side. Their shame is mostly around obesity, poverty, and lack of education. Very few of them went to college. Oh, man. Like two? I don't know. Um, three. I, I don't know. Uh, not many. Um, but uh, they also dropped out of high school. And... They're mostly brilliant, like genius-level people. They're incredibly savvy with entrepreneurial spirits, witty as fuck. They taught me to live without limits. I mean, you would never know to have a conversation with these people that they uh, had. Uh, I, I mean, I kind of want to call it an aversion to education. There's actually like a bit of a stigma around it in my family. I, but because because they were living without these limits and and – um, actually walking the walk, I was raised to never see walls around things I want or even like the conventional way of getting things I want. But they also instilled in me a variety of eating disorders and shame about coming from such a broken family. They are uh, almost entirely pathological liars where they don't even know they're lying, but they're just lying. They're always lying. They refuse to face their own truths. Sometimes I shrunk in the presence of friends whose parents love them and participated in their lives. I longed to find friends from loving families, but I was also triggered by them. I used to do musical theater, and my family members barely ever came to my shows or performances, even when I was a leader had a solo. They just weren't interested in me. But they could barely show themselves love and attention. I have family members so obese they can't use stairs and one of them can't even walk. I used to have so much shame around them and this, but I learned to care for my own body and keep it healthy. I sought culture by moving to major cities and immersing myself in art, theater, and literature. I mean, I fucking love the arts and I surrounded myself with city kids who could teach me more about all of it. At NYU, the other playwrights always asked me to read their leading roles because I had experience as an actor. Um, I'll never forget the time I read this very wealthy kid's script and pronounced it, uh, oh, it was, it was Caramel by the Sea, but I pronounced it Caramel by the Sea, and everybody laughed at me and corrected me. And it probably just looked to them that these were all very wealthy kids um like I was reading too quickly but my shame over coming from poverty and never having gone to the west coast yet it dimmed my light 
I mean, I like took a step back. I was shining brightly in that class. And after I revealed this thing, they didn't even probably realize this about me. But I carried this unnecessary embarrassment over a dumb little mispronunciation. I mean, I'm proud of how I pulled myself out of my shithole, my personal shithole. I was born... I, I mean, I was born into poverty. I lived in a... Tra- I came home from the hospital to a trailer park. But fortunately, my grandfather owned it. I mean, it was a nice trailer park. Um, but my family, they don't... I don't know. It's they're not, they're not as out about that stuff. And for me... I don't know. I'm proud of it. I'm proud that we did this, that we came from this. I am constantly seeking education, although I do think institutional learning is overrated and extremely overpriced. Um, I mean, you can learn literally anything from books, you guys. Uh, anything. Everything. That's They're using books to teach it to you. I don't understand. I, I, this is – you don't need the middleman. Um, I still deal with body dysmorphia. And I'm the smallest one in my family. I love the way I look, truly, but I have to actively override the fact that I was taught to hate my precious fleshy vehicle. They carry way more shame than I do. And I send them nothing but love and compassion at this point. I know they feel like white trash. This is like, that's like our hot ticket word, phrase, hot white trash. That's the word that, oh God, it triggers, it triggers. Um, My ancestors are Appalachian powwow hillbillies. Jews, gypsies, Iranians, and carnies. Hitler would be so pissed about my 23andMe results. I also have a little Greek in me, which Hitler called the true Aryan race. So, all right. But the (laughs) difference between my family's shame. I do not think I have enough Greek to cancel out the other things as far as Hitler would be concerned. So, uh, the difference between my shame and my family's shame is that I love this shit about me. I embrace the fact that we came from no money, got ourselves to America, did whatever it took. My great-grandmother was Jewish and married a piece of shit Irishman. She actually came from money but married for love. He spent all his wages on alcohol, so she taught piano lessons to support the family until he sold her piano one day when she was out so that he could buy more liquor. Man, talk about unworthiness. Instead of helping her, her family disowned her too. And somehow she survived. And I'll tell you something, that woman got a hell of a lot more out of her life than any fucking Kardashian is getting out of theirs. Not to diminish anyone's journey. But we are not here for the easy stuff. Most rich people chose life light before they got in. And that's fine. They were intimidated by a heftier soul contract, and they still have heartache and disappointment. They are still deserving of compassion. Their feelings matter. But those of us who have been impoverished or homeless, anyone who has persevered through such conditions is leveling up spiritually. And I don't know the grand prize. I think it's wisdom, enlightenment, and most importantly, cultivating kindness and empathy. I have seen human souls on the other side merge with deities and I think some of us are in training to cross over and be great helpers and maybe that's why your load feels so heavy maybe you have really big plans to ascend success is wonderful but we learn the most from our failures and our heartaches 
So Sarah told me years ago to stop partnering. Not in the romantic sense. She's always been screaming at me to date since like 2018. She meant in business endeavors. I stopped dating in 2018. Wow, it's been a long time. Uh, (laughs) I was supposed to focus on my writing and she insisted partnerships in my near future were going to end badly. But I didn't listen. And two of the most painful experiences of my life were my last two partnerships. Both of these partnerships were forged during Mercury retrogrades and ended during different Mercury retrogrades. This shit is real. If you take anything from this episode, learn from my mistakes, plural. Do not start business of any kind during Mercury retrograde. Jesus. But on your path to worthiness, it is imperative that you surround yourself with other people doing work and facing their truths. And I don't mean the Kim Kardashian fantasy version of work. I mean people doing deep shadow work. Do not partner with the unworthy because they will drag you down. And that is what I have most recently learned. Twice. Oh, and that's a fun takeaway. If you don't get the lesson the first time, they teach it even harder the next time. My last business partner makes $30,000 a month from one client alone and seemed to be very good at what she does, which is why I partnered with her. This is a family member who had shown me bizarre cruelty and backstabbing in the past. I avoided her, and that was smart and an example of me practicing worthiness and boundaries. But then I was physically rerouted and thrown basically on her doorstep at the start of the pandemic as I drove across the country to reach my mom in time for her cancer treatment. This was, if you guys listen to this where the magic happens, I talk a lot about that trip. Oh, Jesus. Um, I pitched an idea for a business I wanted to build just for her feedback but she loved it latched onto it we went into business together three different family members warned me against going into business with her they also had opinions about the way she had treated me in the past but just like when i was working with a major celebrities manager who would eventually degrade me in public i only saw stars this is classic sagittarius fuckery seeing only the good and rejecting the very obvious red flags She fucked me over in ways I never thought possible. She stole more from me than anyone ever has. She stole my belongings, my money, and my mother. A mother should not be stealable, but that's on my mom. And honestly, I mean, I'm going to do a different episode, but I have never been happier or more alive and free. This is why I'm like cut cords with family. Um, I don't throw them hate. My defenses came down when they went away. I... I, I don't know. I'm just, man, I, I'm a very different, relaxed me. But that's the thing. Grudges, hatred, and even just holding on to suffering creates wedges between you and the lessons you've called these people in to teach you. If you don't let go of the grudges, hatred, and suffering, I know that one's the hardest. The lessons will be taught to you again and again, each time hurting even worse. This could also be what's happening within your family. We don't like to accept lessons because they force shadow work. This is why so many people avoid romantic partnerships. You will be forced to confront your shadow aspects as you fall in love. But this is also why people like end end relationships when everything's going well. This is why. And this is why you can't take it personally. But you have got to absorb your own lessons or you will repeat these patterns. 
I could never hurt my family more than they hurt themselves, and I don't want to. They're riddled with heart disease and cancer, all of which I do believe they give themselves. This is this is, goes back to chakra stuff, you guys. This is why you got to keep your lights bright and your shit clear. I only send my family gratitude for these lessons, and it's not easy. I mean, I got real fucking kicked when I was down. And the things... It's in my Patreon, but, like, the things that they were able to do and say to me, I've never, in my whole life, I've never experienced cruelty like this. But it also has nothing to do with me. Their treatment has nothing to do with me. It's all about their own unworthiness. My business partner admitted to being jealous of me my whole life, but I partnered with her. She had been so cruel that I avoided her for years, even though she was just one state away from where I lived. And yet I partnered with her. People told me about the backstabbing, and they commented on her cruelty towards me. But I, me, who knew better, partnered with her. I told myself she changed, and people do change. But then she admitted to me a few weeks after she moved across the country to be near me so we could build this business, a business she destroyed, oh God, in DMs over a fight that started about pedicures. Ugh. She said right after she moved here, and I could never get her to work face-to-face on our business. She said to me, if this were a business I was being paid by a client to build, we'd already be rich by now. Huge red flag. I did not have unworthiness about this business, but she did. And I had partnered yet again with someone who couldn't stand up to their necessary shadow work. And I paid Sarah, my shaman, to work with her. And Sarah told me later she knew it was all going to go down in flames, but that's not the point. I had already learned this lesson with my last partner. This time around, the lesson was taught to me even harder. I lost so much more. And that's the whole point. As they teach us, we have to process the lessons. We can't just call everyone a narcissist and ourselves a victim. We have to accept the lessons as gifts, and we have to sit our asses down and slowly unwrap them. But good God, if you're surrounding yourself with unworthy people, especially your family, who would rather lose than win because they've been telling themselves the same story their whole lives about how much success deep down they believe they deserve, they will put their hooks in you and they will pull you down with them. And if you insist on rising or challenging the narrative they're using to protect their victim mentality, they will annihilate your character. They would rather destroy you than turn the attention on themselves. And no offense, but you signed your email to me, maybe just a loser. Who in your life condones that kind of talk about yourself? Identify them and kick them out, or you will keep telling yourself the same sad story and acting out this sad leading role. This story does not have a happy ending. When I was a musical theater major, I learned something beautiful. A song occurs in a show when there's just no other way for the character to express what they're feeling. They're so emotionally overwhelmed that they have to burst into song to express themselves. That's how I feel about sex. I don't want sex. I know that, like, there's no such thing as bad sex or pizza. Mm, No, that's both of those. I don't eat bad pizza and I don't have bad sex. No. I want to merge on a metaphysical level that mutually blows our minds. I love sex. But the more work I've done on myself, the harder it is to meet someone on this level. And I don't mean my level of enlightenment. I mean just seeking spirituality. 
showing vulnerability, and staying curious. Sex is a major exchange of energy. It is the ultimate vulnerability. We pick up so much from each other during this act. This is so important. Don't fuck people who bring you down. There is no such thing as casual sex. But I do encourage super fun slutty phases because they can be healing and put distance between you and your exes. But pay attention to who is worthy of blending your energies with. When you fuck someone, you are giving them your magic. Choose people who give you magic back. And this isn't just romantic and business partnering. Look at your friendships. I recently had a falling out with someone who put herself in constant complainer loops. There was never talk of solutions or problem seeking. She told me the same stories even if I interrupted with boundaries and declared, you've already told me this. She loved reliving her misery. And a few months ago, she got off the phone with me to go confront strangers in a bar because she believed they were talking about her. The energy we willingly gift to strangers is such a dumbass downfall. They're strangers. Who cares what they think? We attach the face of someone from our past to the head of strangers when we fight with them. You have no fight with a stranger because you have no history with them. Walk away. It's just another distraction loop from your real work. So I went on vacation with this friend and she snuck into the kitchen to tell me how gross another woman's ass was, a woman who is beyond gorgeous and also my friend who joined us on this trip. Uh, Seriously, I would murder with my bare hands for her fucking ass, this woman's ass. I didn't put a swimsuit on that entire time. You know what? I don't want to say that because (laughs) A, I don't want to be a murderer. B, I have to like my own ass. I guess I do. Seriously, though, her ass is fucking dynamite. I still, I can't, I can't. So I didn't put a swimsuit on that entire trip and I didn't even go to the beach with them because I didn't want my friend to reduce me to the way my ass looked. I feel absolutely stupid about this now, but I don't have friends who talk this way about about each other's bodies, anybody's bodies. My the people I surround myself with are are I don't know, they're just we talk about we talk about real things. My family taught me to hate my body my whole life, and I am careful to avoid people like that now. But this friend, who I considered on my level, she obsessed over her ex dating someone she did not find attractive. She hooked up with him behind the woman's back and post-coital told him how ugly, that's the word she used, ugly, his new girlfriend was. As he told he he told her he thought he was in love with this woman. It was so fucking sad to me. She threw thumbtacks around her shared bathroom so her roommates would step on them in their bare feet. She was one of my best friends, and I told myself her cruelty was amusing and mostly harmless, even after she ruined that trip for me. There was more stuff, too. It's in my Patreon. But then she turned this ugliness that had kind of amused me. She turned it on me at a time when I really needed the support of my friends. And she did something for which I am actually grateful because I'm looking for lessons. If you can, if you can take the emotion out and say, what is the lesson here? I'm not going to get, I'm not going to react. What's my lesson? She held up a mirror and I saw my shadow. She was the only person in my life to whom I could say cruel and degrading things about a person's appearance. And I did. I sent a photo of two family members who broke my heart and I made fun of how much weight they gained over the holidays since they kicked me out of the family. I'm owning it here because I never want to do anything like that. I don't want to reduce anybody to that. If I want to decimate my own body shame instilled by my family, I can't judge the bodies of others. 
People should not be reduced to their looks. And this isn't, this is not even a habit of mine. I was just so mad and hurt and it was easy. So I sent the photo to my friend and went full on Mean Girls. But for the first time, she rejected cruelty. And she made a list of complaints about me and, and adding it to the list, which is good. I don't necessarily know if she did it because she was mad at me. Uh, I don't think I don't think she's like turning over New Leaf. I don't know. Uh, maybe she is. Maybe she, maybe she's trying to. I don't know. I can't make up a story about what happened, but I just can't. I can't do text fighting. If a person can't get on the phone and talk it out, they're not even remotely on a level you want to fuck with. Texts are for messages like "on my way" or "here's a meme." Texting is not communication. DMing, barely communication. Speaking with your teeth and tongue, that's communication. When I told her I wouldn't fight via text, she blocked me on all social, and then she went and liked a bunch of my mom's posts. Like, sick burn, bruh. Oh, my God. Uh, like, I've never seen anything like this. Since I, I, felt, I felt like a 13-year-old girl. But... Well, I felt, I felt like she was. Um, I, I thought, too, I'd reach out and try to mend this disconnect and, like, get to the bottom of it. But then I, I didn't miss her, and I lost interest, and I didn't need to hear the same stories, the same complaints every weekend when we caught up. And I love her, and I send her love, but I have such good people in my life now, and I believe leaving her space open means someone better will step into it. So I will tell you the secret to combating unworthiness. And it's also uh, the secret to combating fear. It sounds easier than it is, but it is just gratitude. I pray to my guides every night before I go to sleep. I ask them to intervene on my behalf, boost my psychic abilities, and then I thank them for all the things that make me happy. Every single time I take a shower, no shit, every single time, I think of all the people in the world without access to such luxuries. And there are a lot of them. We have billionaires galore, but people are still starving and freezing to death. Standing in my nice, clean, hot shower makes me feel so lucky every single time. I have a home. I mean, I had I had relationships with the homeless in Echo Park that everybody oh, – there's so much – it's propaganda. It's not true what they said in the news about the park. It's not true if you know about this, about how they cleared them all out. <clears throat> there was not tons of waste – they had fucking welcome mats outside of their little tents. It, it, they, Rich white people, that's an ugly reminder. That They were just ugly reminders to them. I used to think about letting them come in and take a shower, but they, they needed, a lot of them needed medication. And it, I didn't want anybody to, like, hurt one of my animals. It's a very... But this is this is what I got out of it. It hurt me to establish relationships and try to help these people, which I could do only a little bit of. But they gave me the gift of gratitude. You know, looking at something that made me uncomfortable and dealing with these people that made me uncomfortable. I have daily gratitude for just my plumbing. So when I get... 
I feel like I'm doing a messy job of this. Where are the lessons? You know, where are the lessons? The the yes, the result is failure. Oh, yeah, yes, this is the result. But like, what's the takeaway? You know, for everything, for every confrontation, for every failure, for every relationship that ends so that another one can begin, you know, until the last one somebody dies and then you're just like, you know, live in the golden girls lifestyle with your best friends, which honestly, I think I I look forward to that way more than like falling in love again. That's fucked. Um, so <laughs> when I get, when I start to get scared, when my shadow self tells me I'm unworthy of the money I need to raise to move back to my soul cluster in Los Angeles, I listen. I acknowledge her scary fear monger talk. And I say out loud something along the lines of, I'm scared as fuck right now. I say it every time fear creeps in. I'm scared and that's okay. I'm scared. That's a normal reaction and it'll be okay. It's how you handle the fear, which can transform pretty quickly into unworthiness. I work hard to avoid assigning emotion to my fears. I mean, this is like a nearly impossible task, but just practice it. This is my burping so much in this episode. I hope you guys can't tell. Well, I guess I just outed myself. This is my newest jam all right when something and sarah goff told me this it's on my refrigerator my you know uh, my motto used to be which i think i actually i'm gonna say again in here when something piss you can piss me off but you can't scare me that was yeah during my during my divorce yeah i have a note of it it's actually the next thing i'm supposed to be touching on so great so You can piss me off, but you can't scare me. My ex was terrorizing me. He had physically harmed me. He harmed me again. It was awful. Um, And I wouldn't let the fear cripple me. I had too much to do. You piss me off, but you can't scare me. And it worked so well. I only slept three hours a night uh, to renovate my trailer and get the fuck out of there. My new one, if something scares me, do not engage with it emotionally. And this is where exercise, practice makes perfect, and you will never be perfect at any of this. And that's the whole fucking point. If something scares you, do not, do not resort to emotions. And I'm a triple fire, and god damn, my Leo Moon likes to go, wow. She loves to get dramatic. But I don't really do that anymore. Now I try, try to use it for other things. So... <laughs> I would also say, in the defense of uh, fear, because I've been terrified lately, when you're on, when you're on the cusp of getting everything you want, things get extra scary. Go back and listen to my episode with Carolyn Elliott, who is amazing at breaking down why success is so scary in her book Existential Kink. I express my fear, and then I douse it in my gratitude, and I set it on fire. I got in bed the other night wondering how I'll afford the things I have to do. I have to do them. And I looked around at the four little cats and the one chihuahua in bed with me, and my heart got so full. I thanked my guides for helping me get this far, for being able to take care of them. You know, I have I have five mouths to feed and groom and take to the vet when they get sick. I've been able to sustain five life forms who are very happy with their little situations. I have incredible clients, a beautiful home, the nicest bathroom and kitchen of my life, and the sun is always shining where I live. 
I have good, brilliant, hilarious, compassionate friends who tell me when they're pissed at me. And I tell them when I'm pissed too. And we fight, not via text. We talk, we yell. They listen and they work with me. And then we all laugh moments later. I have a fridge full of healthy food that nourishes my body. Two closets full of way too many clothes. My God, I'm sitting in one right now. I'm downsizing before another move. (gasps) Way uh, more dresses than probably uh, any human woman you know. Um, And I have a really fabulous hip-to-waist ratio that I wrote about a lot in my past life and was determined to enjoy in this one. Like, I nailed the fucking genetics to get the body I wanted. And then I was taught to hate it. (laughs) Body dysmorphia is so fucking weird. So I know how talented I am as a writer, how curious and fun I get about manipulating my body, brain, spirit, and abilities. I don't spend a single moment in this lifetime feeling bored. Not a single moment. I am never fucking bored. I am Googling. I am reading. I am fascinated. I am so grateful for all of this and more. And I know it's cliche, but try listing your own stuff for yourself every day, constantly. Oh, maybe not constantly. I'm going to get real fucking weird in your brain. But I guarantee you will notice a shift. After I said all of this the other night in bed, I closed my eyes and I saw the tarot card for Ace of Cups. It's so funny because I don't really... A lot of people didn't know this, but I don't actually like use tools when I give readings. I just sit and talk to your guides. So sometimes they they will show me a tarot card because I know what the tarot cards mean. Um, They often write in Sanskrit lately. So I kind of want to learn Sanskrit. Wouldn't that be so cool? Um, But my DNA has the Mesopotamian, so it makes sense. Um, And, oh, I was like absolutely hypnotized by this Philip Glass opera. Oh, God damn. What is it called? Ah. Google Philip Glass Sanskrit Opera, and I'm telling you, there were weekends I would meditate and listen to this and fucking peace on out of my body. It is, there, there is something so special that he did with this. It's four and a half hours long. I've talked about this, I think. Anyway, so <laughs> instead of the one chalice that they showed me on this Ace of Cups, it was a massive overflowing fountain. Aces represent potential and new beginnings. It's like the start of the the sequence, to, you know, all the way to the 10th card. Uh, the 10th is when things are wrapping up with something. Um, and I, I see this as a giant fountain. And I'm like, hell yeah. Next to the fountain, uh, there was an ancestor of mine. And he looked very Botticelli with curls and like just gorgeous. Um, and big gay vibes. And... There were angels around him, and one grabbed his hand and pulled it so I could see a black triangle on his forearm. And I don't know if they tattooed those during the Holocaust. I thought triangles were only used as armbands. I don't know. Um, And I didn't know what the black triangle meant. But I knew meeting him, I had just leveled up. And this was a new guide, and he came in to help me with something very specific. And I looked it up the next morning. Black triangles were mainly for gypsies, mm. but also used on alcoholics, homeless uh, people, um, nomads, sex workers, murderers, thieves, and violators of laws prohibiting sexual relations between Aryans and Jewish people. So whoever this ancestor is, he walks with angels after living a hell on earth. He earned a place among the angels, and I believe 
He is here to keep elevating me from the unworthiness that is purely man-made fiction and not at all mine. And I am grateful for him. So definitely a winner. You can love your family. And I'm not saying your family is as bad as my family. I don't think any family is as bad as my family. Jesus Christ, you guys. But just as I did, you might need to live thousands of miles away from them. Do not let a single person who triggers unworthiness into your auric field. You can gently cut people out. Some people would say, while looking at my life, a life I am madly in love with, that I'm a failure. All my romantic relationships have ended. It's so funny to me how people view uh, divorcees. I um, I don't know. I'm like, well, how are people not divorced more often? <laughs> None of my business ventures have panned out in the sense that I can focus on one and stop busting ass. And yet I was so happy. I was so happy at the start of all these relationships, all these, these fun partnerships and lessons until I wasn't happy and they had to end. I learned so much about myself and my needs. Endings are just transitions to new beginnings. And you know that feeling like that excitement Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. So I'm not just romance and starting something new and what it could be, you know? One of my best friends, Nadia, Nadja, I love her so much. She and I recently agreed to expect only the best case scenario for everything. We've been applying this all year and I can assure you it's amazing. Some would say it's delusional. But even if it offers zero boost in positive outcomes, like, like I, you don't need results. It feels so good. I am significantly happier like this. I feel like, um, you know how they say, well, they don't say it's a fact. Um, the, what is it, like the doctors who believe in God are more likely to let you die they're more likely to let you die. The atheist doctors will keep working to save your life. It's a crazy statistic. Um, that is actually the reverse of what I'm talking about, I guess. <laughs> but having faith in yourself, I'm just happier. You know, it's, it's, but it, I know what I was going to start to say, though. It was more like um, the, the people who believe in Jesus are happier. You know, they're not scared of death because they think that they get eternal life with him. And that's, great and you do kind of I mean you do kind of it is like that a lot um not the Mormons with the Cadillacs and the mansions that's so fucking crazy to me anyway not shitting on Mormons today um they'll figure it out anyway when they die and they see the truth um so I just want you to stop okay I want all of you because so many of you do this stop assigning curses to the parts of your life that feel like failures Embrace endings. Embrace new beginnings. You can't have new beginnings without endings. Embrace how exciting the unknown is and keep trying. I mean, I have very been, very been, very much been um, in touch with, okay, well, how would I kill myself? We all have. I've talked openly about this with a couple of my closest friends. What if I wanted to kill myself? It has been a dark fucking couple of years here. Even if you're in that place, just, I don't know, become more analyst than emotional 
reactor to it. You can think about suicide. You shouldn't do it, but you could certainly think about it. You can think about failures. That doesn't mean you'll believe in any of that. God, I didn't mean to go so dark at the ending where it's all uplifting, but you know what? I'm not ashamed. I have been deeply, darkly depressed, and it's only starting to turn around for me. I definitely know that many of you have. I think probably everybody has. This is not a special thing. I just think we should have more open discussions about this. I think it would help with suicide prevention in a major way. Um, but I also know I, I, God, I'd lose my place in line if, I, if I've ever ended my life on purpose. Like, it's just getting good, you know? All the stakes are so high. Everything is stacked against me. How will I get out of this? I can't wait to find out. Oh, it's why movies are good. And when I was in at NYU script writing, they told us the stakes make for, for screenwriting stakes as high as possible, you know? Like, the, the most impossible situations are the most entertaining when you see your heroes get out of them. And you guys... You just got to keep trying. You, it's not about the success. It's about the trying. Because nobody gives an A for effort. Like the report card you get when you piece out of this world. A for effort is real. That is real. You get an A for effort. That's actually true. Do you think Jeff Bezos or the Kardashians get rewarded on the other side? Do you think that they're closer to being absorbed into Hecatean energy than you are? Then I am? Fuck no. No. Don't stop. But do stop telling sad stories about yourself. Believe in your best outcomes. Go full fucking delusional. Run fast, fall down, skin your knees. Try to avoid picking scabs. Sure, it's about the suffering, but even more so, it's about the healing. There are lessons in everything. And says the Leo Moon, if you can disengage from the emotions and really sit and pick through the fucking owl pellet. You guys ever get a now turd and pick through it? That's a Florida thing. Pick out the little bones. What are these bones? Oh, God. You know, secretly, I really want to be a bone thrower. But as a vegan, I got to go find bones and I'm not squeamish. Ah, this got weird. Anyway, wrapping it up. Sarah Goff and I are hosting two all-inclusive vegan retreats in England this August, but there are only nine rooms left. If you don't follow my Instagram or get my emails, I did lose my whole email list. I am relieved of that. I had like 900 fucking people and MailChimp ate it and I don't have to pay for that service anymore. I don't give a fuck and I think I have like 100 from just people I give earnings to, but maybe go sign up for the mail list again if you didn't get an email from me about the retreats. But um, we only have nine rooms left. You can double book, bring a friend. Um, I don't know what it says on there right now because I haven't updated it, but my aunt is getting um, more beds, so nobody will have to share a bed. Um, but you might have a smaller bed, so you should definitely um, figure out how to work that out so you get the bigger bed. Anyway, the first is healing and empowerment. The first, um, I think they're four days each, Wednesday through Sunday. Um, healing and empowerment. The second one, a week later, so you get like a little break in between, is psychic and mediumship development. You can take both. You can take one. They will either or and what they will blow your fucking minds. The stuff that I have learned that I talked about in here is the stuff that you're going to learn. The, the actual process of it. And 
do you guys remember me talking about Sarah's soulmate thing on This Is Where the Magic Happens? The soulmate class she told me I needed to take. And I was like, I don't want a soulmate. I just want to be single for a minute. And she's like, it's not about that. And then I saw baby me and when everything went wrong for her with love. Do you remember me talking about this? We're doing that. We're doing that in Healing and Empowerment. Um, the link is in my show. Well, I'm actually having Sarah on next week, so it's going to be great. The link is in the show notes. You can go book with a deposit and make monthly payments, but we are going to run out of space soon. So um, this is at my aunt's haunted inn where she has crafted the most amazing vegan menu. I just took her and her husband. Well, they took me. I don't have a car. Um, to Evolve Modern Kitchen. Shout out to Evolve Modern Kitchen in Daytona Beach. Holy shit. Holy shit. The vegan food is amazing. And the people who work there are the fucking raddest people. I There's a cute bar next to it. They have loaded fries. They have, oh, oh my God. Oh, where do I even start? You guys, I'm sorry that this got all foodie here. Um, I stopped eating a jar of peanut butter a week. That was kind of all I was eating for a while. I'm trying to eat less nut butter. <laughs> Just... I'm just trying to eat less nut butter, okay? Because I've been eating so much nut butter. Anyway, deep fried chicken sandwich. They make these donuts that my aunt Becky is going to make for us. But they're like the best donuts I've ever had in my life. And they make them right in the deep fryer. She used to make us funnel cakes growing up. She is the best cook. Anyway, the food will be amazing. Um, we are doing, there's a Hakate ritual at the end of Healing and Empowerment. A karaoke party at the end of each one. Um... Psychic and mediumship, we're going to teach you how to send spirits into the light. We're going to actually do that with the the stable boys I talked about. And this is where the magic happens, the sad little guys who... Did you know that people get stuck as ghosts just from shame and unworthiness? Work that shit out. You don't want to be a ghost. Okay. And then join us for the ultimate metaphysical slumber party in England. Oh, I'm so excited about it. I'm really excited. See? I was so low last week, you guys. You don't even want to know. Become a patron over four hours worth of audio a month and this weekend we're doing a cord cutting ritual with the full moon um it's a big one and we're doing it in the afternoon time there's a time of day that's best for this um so if you are overseas there's a very good chance that you'll be able to do it with us i really appreciate your support i'm grateful for you i'm sending you love and gratitude right now i hope you can muster gratitude for all the beautiful things in your beautiful life i really do and sift through those owl pellets. I didn't mean to get all weird about turds and farts in this episode. But you know what? Turds and farts are real. They're part of these little gross bodies. Embrace them. And until next time. <laughs> keep living a life that's worth burning for. <laughs> <laughs>